want y'all just hum with me. Mm-hmm. You may be seated. Hallelujah. What a privilege and an honor to dwell in the house with the beloveds of the Lord. Anything, everything, everything is possible. Everything is possible. I come from a long line of uh, fighters. (laughs) like in a good way, in a good sense. Um, I come from a long line of uh, people who knew how to endure hard times. I come from folk that worked a job, you know, for 35, 40 years that they hated, you know, that kind of grit. You know, I come from gritty folk, folk that show up uh, when they don't want to, rain, shine. Uh, It's just in me. It's just in me. Uh, You can, you know, love it or lump it, whatever. I mean, it's uh, just what's in me. I, I'll just endure, probably stay too long with something <laughs> most of the time. You know, probably when I should have cut it off or cut it, cut it loose, go on to something else, I'll just stick with it. <laughs> I just come from a long line of stick it to, you know, stick to it, stick with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to be with you. I want the Lord to speak to us, speak to our hearts today um, through this message that I believe was prepared in the kitchen of my soul. Um, I have I have gathered up all the good spices and herbs and some interesting things you didn't think of, like some kimchi and some other stuff, you know. I got, you know, weird stuff like strawberries and flowers put together and things. And you're like, how does that go together? But it it does somehow. Um those of you that took the challenge without the phone, man, that's that's next level. That is next level. So um, what I know about, uh, there was a story about a, an art uh, history professor at Harvard that um, would teach their students. And part of the first assignment when they would come in to learn about art and art history, one of the first assignments was to go and to the local museum and identify a piece of art that captured their attention and without a phone and only a notebook they were to go and sit for three hours in front of that painting and they were permitted to for bio breaks and they could have water with them but for three hours sit in front of that piece of art and contemplate and think. And, many, and then they would write about their experience afterward and then share in the open group what that was like for them. And many of them reported the first 45 minutes were brutal, absolutely brutal. Just like, what am I doing? Why did I sign up for this? I have better things to do. This is hard, keeping your focus and attention on that for so long. Second hour got a little better by the third hour. They were so engrossed in it, finding new things on that canvas that they'd never seen before. Things that they thought they understood it. They were extrapolating the themes and the, the uh, uh, words escaping me now, medium and, you know, all of these kinds of things. And by the third hour, the, the experience finally bloomed. <laughs> it finally bloomed and opened up for them. I hope that's the case for us as we sit here for three hours to get. 
And um, we just open up, you know, the, the blossoming and the blooming. Um, we'll just begin to open. And we're just on minute one. So um, we're just going to jump in. <laughs> My text this morning is Matthew 20. Um, it's from the lectionary this week. Uh, Matthew 20 is the, the parable, the story about the laborers in the vineyard. And I cannot get off of this whole idea of grace got next. I just can't get off of it. I know it's weird. I don't know why I'm so fascinated with it. Um, no, I do know why. It's, it's actually working its way into my life. Um, this idea that grace got next and allowing grace and a radical forgiveness to permeate the fabric of my life. Um, it's countercultural. It's counter to the ego. It is counter to our experience as a human being. And for some reason, I like that challenge. I like um, doing something that is absolutely contrary to what I want to do in a good way, in a positive way. I think I, I do thrive on discipline. I like that, you know, um, again, coming from that Protestant work ethic from my, my family, you know, I thrive on structure. Um, I can be spontaneous. Over the years, I have learned how to do that. I have learned how to be spontaneous. On a bad day, I, I'm not. Um, I, I tend to like to know what's going on before it goes on. Anybody else? Like, you kind of like to know the plan. And um, and when it goes differently, well, then on a bad day, I can get all wonky. Uh, you too? Little, <laughs> it's a little irritating, a little frustrating. Um, I had one of those days recently uh, that everything was bizarre. I mean, my day was bananas the other day. Um, Eve and Hank, y'all were part of my day. It was like wildly bananas. I mean, it, it was like around, it was like stuff from Eve's windshield, rear windshield in her van completely got shattered by a desk that we had in there that, that slipped back and hit the, the windshield just right and shattered it. Uh, we were moving some desks and I was helping and there was three of, anyway, that's a long story. We won't go into it. They got it fixed. Yay. Ish. It's fixed with complications, with a brake light. What? Yeah, with duct tape, right. But it's in process. At any rate, um, all the way in that same day, Bananas City, my dog locked me out of my truck. I mean, bananas, man. Weird stuff that's never happened to me. I've never been, you know, moving anybody and their rear windshield bursts out, and I never have had my dog lock me out of my truck with the truck running, my phone inside, all my stuff. I'm standing out there with an ink pen, and my dog's inside panting, and we're just have the glass between us. I'm like, you did that. You did that. And she's pushing on the lock button over and over again. I'm like, angels, just help her move a half inch to the left, and we can get it unlocked. But they weren't listening or something and um it was bananas day man weird 
this week. Uh, so parable, uh, Matthew 20, let's go ahead and read together. Um, if you have your phone, <laughs> you can open up your Bible app. Um, if you don't, you just have to listen. <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> oh, yay. Thank you, Jesus. Listen with your, with your spiritual ears on. Okay? Listen with your spirit ears. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual day's daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock in the morning, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, same place that he got the first crew. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they agreed and they went. When he went out again about noon and again at about three o'clock, same place, he did the same. And then he goes out again at about five o'clock. He went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. And so he said, you also can go into the vineyard. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call all the laborers for the ones that I got very first thing in the morning all the way to the ones I just brought, and let's give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the very first ones that I hired. Verse 9. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. And now when the first ones came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received just the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last folks have worked only one hour. And you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So then the last will be first and the first will be last. These words, or are you envious because I am generous, fly off the page like an arrow into my heart. Envy and jealousy are two different things. Jealousy is something like we typically understand between romantic partners that maybe feel that their loved one is giving an inordinate amount of attention to someone else outside of the covenant. And this sort of jealousy comes up. A jealousy to protect, a jealousy to get back what you have. Um, or there can be a good kind of jealousy to protect one's family. Jealous for their connection. Jealous for their health. 
envy is altogether different. Envy has its root system in resentment. Envy has its root system in a view of the world that how could you make her like me? See, love will wreck your scorekeeping. The way that grace and love will show up to a scene is very similar to the way that this landowner showed up to pay time. Interesting that this parable has, <laughs> man, it has a lot in it. And we could probably talk about it for about three hours. It's interesting that the landowner goes out first thing in the morning, early, then again at 9 o'clock. Okay, when's the next time? Noon time. When's the next time? Three, and the next time? Five. Five in Bible numerology is the number. Does anybody know what the number five stands for in Bible terms? Yeah, it stands for grace. It stands for grace. There's some really cool facts about the number five that you can Google later when you get your phone back. But there's a phrase in John 1. The, in the English is translated that we have received grace upon grace. When you multiply the number five by itself, you get 25, right? Five times five is 25. Grace upon grace. You can read about it later. There's no need to go into it now. Bob would do a better job of explaining the math Anyway, don't you all agree? <laughs> Love will wreck the score because what happened to these people was not fair. It was agreed upon, but it was not fair. Now, many ha understand this parable in a, on a macro level to mean that, uh, you know, they would take this to mean something that doesn't mean as much to us in 2023, but they would say, okay, the first people hired are the Jews, okay? And then other parts of culture come along later on, and the Gentiles are the last, and they still get the same benefit of Christ, just like, you know, you understand what I'm saying. That's how it's typically understood. Or you could understand it economically, and you could get all kind of Karl Marx on it. And it could be like, okay, human worth is more than human doing. And so humans are worth a daily living wage. And so everyone who works at least some bit should get the same amount of pay. It, it runs, um, oh, Chris, the, uh, the GoPro is talking to us. I don't know if it's going to keep talking to us. Perhaps it's shut itself down. It looks like it shut off. 
Okay, good learning. So we have this situation where we can look at this parable economically, we can look at this parable theologically, we can look at it scholarly, and people have been wrestling with this and groaning and moaning about this parable for hundreds of years because nobody likes the outcome. It's counter to what we feel is fair. Warren Carter, one of my professors at Phillips, writes, instead of maintaining differentiation among the laborers based on performance, instead of reinforcing the superiority of some at the expense of the rest, the householder has evened out the distinctions and treated them in solidarity as equals. Instead of using wages to reinforce distinctions, he uses the wages to express equality and solidarity. Isn't that fascinating? Can you even wrap your mind around that in our economic culture? To use wages to reinforce equality and solidarity instead of difference? Fascinating. There was one business owner that I knew that came close to this. His name is Jim Stovall. And Jim Stovall is a business owner here in town, and he was a dear friend of mine for many years, and we've lost touch. But he paid all of the workers in his company a six-figure salary, including the receptionist. Because he felt that the person that answered his phone eight hours a day was worth that, uh, that salary that she could live on and do well for her family because she represented him. Fascinating. Fascinating. See, love is not fair. Hmm. Grace is not fair. And that's the invitation that I'm inviting all of us into our economic worlds and also into our relationship worlds. What would it be like if grace got next in your next situation with your spouse? What would it be like if grace got next in your next situation when you fail yourself into such a degree that you are so ashamed of yourself that you don't want to show your face to anyone in your home? Luke 6, the words say, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For God is kind to those who are unthankful and kind to the wicked. This is not fair. This is hard to handle. To allow grace to permeate how we do our giving in life. To whom we give and to whom we account worthiness. <laughs> this indeed is an upside down kingdom. Now in nearly a decade of doing this kind of ministry and talking with people about finances and grace and forgiveness and marital issues and relationships and health problems... I have heard over and over again when it comes to hospitality or it comes to philanthropy 
the way that people determine if something is worthy of their donation is what kind of ROI they will get back and how much due diligence an organization has done to prove themselves worth, worthy of the gift. That's not how it's done in the kingdom. In the kingdom, grace goes out to the guys that are smoking and drinking at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, who have sat idle all day, who have not shown their worth, have not given back to society in any way and says, hey, would you like to come be a part of my harvest? This doesn't make sense. This doesn't feel good to the first because we've worked all day. Does this sound like another parable that you know about in the scripture? Think about pairs. Think about elder and younger. Another prodigal son. It feels like that. The elder brother in the home, never having left, never having squandered the father's inheritance, has always been there working faithfully in the field, working faithfully. He's right to feel that way, right? I mean, you can get it. You, you're like, I've been here the whole time. I've never left. I, I've been doing what you told me to do, and now we're going to receive Mr. Brother Spend It All back into the home and put a robe and honor him as if he's been here the whole time? Create a feast? It doesn't feel right. But in that scenario, grace got next. See, I believe that Jesus in parable after parable after parable was trying to emphasize this fact. That it is not <laughs> that judgment falls on the unacceptable or the one that ruins or squanders or sins too much or does all the wrong things or never makes anything out of his life. Or it's not that judgment falls on that person. But it's, instead, it seems to fall on those who refuse to accept acceptance. It seems to fall on those who refuse to come to the party. Not those who started the party. It seems to fall on those who refuse to allow the generosity and grace of God to extend in a spacious way even to those you disagree with. And it's not a judgment necessarily that comes from God. It's just a judgment that you bring upon yourself because you put yourself on the out. When we are envious and stingy with our affection, we, we remove our gifts from the world. Have you ever tried to withhold your affection from a family member because they haven't deserved your affection? Oh, come on. Have you ever tried to give somebody the silent treatment? I am a big time. My favorite one is silent treatment, isn't it, baby? Yes. It's my favorite. That's me. I'm a powder. Oh, I can pout. I will pout. I will be quiet. Um, when asked questions, I offer one-word answers. I stew. Yes, I stew. This is hard to admit. You can't imagine that from, oh, perfect me, right? Like, can you imagine that pouting is my go-to, number one, retaliation? And I stay quiet, and I will 
offer a little bit. Yes. I mean, sure, if that's what you want. Yeah. No, I'm I'm fine. I think we're good. Um, having thoughts in my mind that if I were in, thank you, Marsha, if I were in a better mood, I have this creative idea that we could have this fun in this moment, but because I'm not, I'm not going to make the suggestion. <laughs> if we were in a better spot, we might play a game. Poor Tamra. Everybody go, poor baby, man, that is hard. You haven't <laughs> <laughs> you see, this judgment that one brings upon themselves is the judgment of staying on the outside, on the dark side, outside of the party. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is where the grace got next. It's where the fun is happening. And religion for too many centuries has told us that fun is the enemy and that grace should be fair. And it's not. And it is not. I had an opportunity yesterday. The storm, everybody had the storm, right? We had the, the rain and it was pelting down, coming down hard. And um, I was uh, busy. My type A was in the lead. Um, I was busy. My managers were doing cleanup from the kitchen, okay? I am on it. I've got a list in my head and I'm doing cleanup in the kitchen. The rain is pouring down. And my wife is singing um, uh, Rain from Patty Griffin. She's like, Alexa, play the song Rain from Patty Griffin. I'm like, fantastic, great, cool. This is like the moments movies are made of. Fantastic. The thunder's going, lightning's going, rain is going. I got my sockies on. I got my socks and my house shoes. And I've got my jammies on, and we're doing cleanup. And she's singing. All of a sudden... Yes, she was helping. Yes, she was helping me. Yes, she was doing all of it. No, we were doing it together. And uh, she starts to sing the song, and all of a sudden, she begins to feel very emotional. She starts to cry. And, I mean, she is singing this song like I sing praise and worship songs. I mean, she's like in it, in it, on. I mean, she's in it. And I'm like, cool, okay. And I'm just like, ooh, but yeah, hey, I'm here. I'm going to stand by. I don't even know what's going on. Like, what is happening? And part of me thinks, did I do something wrong? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on, spouse. Did I, do so did I do something right? Is she having a good moment? What is this? And I turn around to, to uh, dry a dish. I turn back. She grabs me and pulls me out of the front door, and I have my house shoes on and my sockies on. <laughs> okay? And uh, I, I'm like, I'm going. And, and I flip off my, my house shoes, but I still, and I tried to reach down for my socks, but she's pulling on me fast. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go out in the thunderstorm in my socks. Okay. <laughs> ah! This is against everything within me. Oh, my God, this is not the way this should have happened. She should have scheduled this dancing in the rain moment. 
this is not okay. And I, I run wholeheartedly because grace got next in this life. And I had the best moment in the driveway under the thunder and the clouds and the, the rain. And we held and she cried and I didn't know what was going on still. And I'm feeling my socks just like soak up under my feet. It was awesome. When you allow yourself to be more like grace, it's somewhat messy. It's kind of like a little scandalous. It's like Grace is sitting with her hair down on a lounge, like, come and get me. Right in the middle of trying to clean up your kitchen. I think if there's one punishable offense, which there are none in heaven, but if there is, it would be bookkeeping. Not against any of the bookkeepers and accountants in here. But when we count... And we log. And we ascertain worthiness based on meritocracy, whatever it is. We lose out on the dance of our life. And I'm inviting this house to allow Grace Got Next into every moment and every situation of your life. When you have a tendency to not want to go inside to the party, you've all had that teenager who, who refuses to come back in. Let Grace, the one with her hair down, maybe a long cigarette in her fingers, allow that Grace to have next. Before when you are grateful, and I'm closing with this, you are not fearful. And when you are not fearful, you are not violent. And when you are grateful, you act out of a sense of enough and not out of a sense of scarcity and you are willing to share. If you are grateful, you are enjoying the differences between people and respectful to all people. The grateful world is a world of joyful people. Grateful people are joyful people. And a grateful world is a happy world. Grace got next. Would you stand with me?